to Ion Horror, the official podcast of iHorror.com. This is episode 57, otherwise known as season three, episode 21, otherwise known as our season three season finale. Uh, I am your host, James J. Edwards, and with me yet again, as always, till the end of time, your other host, Jacob Davison. How are you doing, Jacob? Uh, doing good, but it is chilly as hell out. So, like, I'm doing... So I'm recording like under a layer of blankets. It's it's really kind of frigid. I think we all have our cavity colors uh, joggers on. That's true. I'm wearing <laughs> my Friday 13th part four joggers. I got the trick or treat one. Trick or treat for me too. Also with us, uh, who's jumping the gun again, but that's okay. Your other other host, John Korea. How you doing, Korea? You're gonna start talking about cavity color joggers, <laughs> and you're you're not gonna expect me to jump in. I started this whole thing of all of us wearing these <laughs> joggers, okay? And yes, they are comfy. Uh, please sponsor us because we love your joggers so much. <laughs> <laughs> if you find a secret stash of the Mars Attacks ones, I'm an extra large. Anyway, we're gonna jump right into it because we have a lot to talk about today. Because with our season finale, we are gonna do our top ten of the year. Top ten. Top 10. Top 10. Top 10. <laughs> oh, actually, before we get into it, we have to say, last week, we thought that we invented the dad pod. <laughs> dad yeah. pod. No. Yeah. Okay. Did, did you actually look? Because yeah, I did. Like, there's like There's 15. like five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a ton. Some of them are- None have to do with movies. No. Some are fitness podcasts. Some are just on fatherhood, all this stuff. But yeah, we, I mean, it was naive of us to think we invented that. If any of you dad pods are listening- and you want to do a movie episode? Let's crossbreed. We will. We'll be on your pod. <laughs> Interesting way of putting it. I don't think that's <laughs> that's the right word. I don't cross think pollinate crossover <laughs> crossover special. It'll be like it'll be like those DC Universe episodes where everything crosses over. Or when the Flintstones meet the Jetsons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Or Freddy versus Jason. Let's hop into this. Um, I believe the way we do it is going alphabetical. In in a, by last name in a circle. So yeah. let's start with C is for Korea. That's good enough for me. Let's start with you. <laughs> well, uh, let's also remind everyone these are our personal top tens. Yes, these are just the top ten movies that we have seen personally throughout the year. Uh, this is not it does this does not necessarily mean anything critical. This is just personal favorites. Not all of us have we haven't seen every movie that came out this year. Uh, and opinions differ. Uh, so if we, he's already setting you up for arguing with me about my number four. I, and and that, we're but... not going to argue today. <laughs> Everything's all about the positivity. So if we missed, if one of your favorite movies isn't in the, in our top tens, let us know. We'd love to hear it. Uh, we're definitely going to be giving shout outs and other ways to movies that we couldn't include in here. So, uh, with that said, my, no, my, my number 10 is, uh, come to daddy starring Elijah Wood. That movie just came out of nowhere and in a, in a lot of ways, like not only in just where, you know, suddenly it's like, wait, there's a movie starring Elijah Wood called come to daddy. That sounds so, why does he have a weird mustache, you know? <laughs> and like, but it, the movie lives up to that. Uh, there's so many little moments in it that just come out of nowhere and it just gets so weird, but it like, it does this really good job of having you sit in the moment during these really weird moments. And then when it gets like, violent or anything it just lets it pass you know like you you don't sit there and dwell in the aftermath you don't sit there in it but it makes you sit there during like uncomfortable conversations and it's just it is it's a very weird uncomfortable and very different movie than 
uh, what I've seen come out recently. So yeah, I, I had to give my first spot to come to daddy. Also great title. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Jacob, what do you got for number 10? Um, well, I just decided to go with, uh, a recent shutter release and one of my favorite anthologies this year, uh, the mortuary collection. Yes. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's like, uh, kind of a tales from the crypts. Uh, like I'm, t- well, like I'm talking original, uh, amicus tales from the crypt, uh, type of movie where, uh, Clancy Brown plays this really creepy, but really affable and char- charismatic, uh, mortician who's telling, uh, these stories about how these various people in his mortuary died to this, uh, woman who's visiting. And, uh, it takes a lot of twists and turns that I wasn't really expecting it to. And it just has some brilliant uh, special effects uh, for, because there's a lot of crazy stuff. Like there's monsters, there's killers, there's a lot of gore. Uh, so it, it was just a ride. Cause like, I just didn't really know what to expect to happen next. And it gets the ultimate anthology approval in that every story is solid. Like, yeah, like even like the ones that don't absolutely blow you away, they're still extremely solid. So like and, and that's rare. Usually it's hit or miss. But these are all like like I, I wasn't sitting there going, oh, when's the next one going to start at all during it? So bravo. Uh, my number 10 is from my saviors. This pandemic IFC Midnight, the rental. The, this, this is the, the Dave Franco directed um movie about the people who go to a cabin and weird shit happens uh we talked about it uh when it came out um i think this has the best the strongest ensemble of the year with uh dan stevens your man crush um yeah. allison <laughs> brie and also uh sheila vand who is uh the the girl walks home at midnight or you know the that from that movie i i always mess up the title the girl uh walks home alone a girl walks home alone at night is that what it is something like that i believe so there's there's some kind of uh, at midnight or at night. Anyway, yeah. that 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 Iranian vampire movie that actually isn't Iranian. I think it is also it's American, but it pretends to be Iranian. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about the rental. See the rental. It's kind of like home invasion slasher, but it's uh it's really clever, really awesome, genuinely creepy that movie. And you get to see Dan Stevens shirtless, so you know that's worth the price of admission. <laughs> all right, and with that, Korea number nine. Number nine, it's shirtless Dan Stevens all the way. <laughs> Not any movie, just Dan Stevens shirtless. Um, my number nine, uh, you know, a lot of people gave this one a lot of flack, but I absolutely love uh, Train to Basan Presents Peninsula. Um, I really love what that film does for the franchise because it takes place not only in a completely different timeline of the series of events. It takes place four years after the first one and follows different people. But I like that it opens up this whole world of possibility of where this franchise goes. Like it almost feels like you could almost do a train of Bisson presents movie every year. And I want to see them all. Um, this one, while it didn't focus on the drama as much as the first movie did, there are still some really good gut punching moments but also uh the action was just there dude there was like so many good high energy uh moments there was like part uh, of action like there's a whole bit where it felt like a fast and furious movie but with an rc car (laughs) it was it was bonkers (laughs) sometimes and of course you can't you can't deny that the king rat zombie scene was not like just one of the coolest moments of of the year like i i absolutely loved it so i don't understand the flack i loved it yeah 
that's my number nine uh, peninsula. Um, my number nine was Spree. Uh, you, you know, with uh, Joe Curie, Steve Harrington, uh, with him basically going uh, like social media American psycho. This this one didn't get a lot of attention, but I feel like it should have because yeah, it's, it's basically about this dude who's driving this kind of Lyft style app, but he wants to be famous and he wants to be famous by killing people. So it's kind of a found footage thing where he's uh, killing his passengers and he becomes obsessed with uh, a comedian played by Sashir Zamata. Oh, and also one of the best parts is, is that uh, David Arquette plays his deadbeat DJ dad. And so they have some pretty great scenes together. Uh, Yeah. It's got kind of an American psycho Joker, you know, kind of falling down type of style to it. And as with those movies were relevant to their times, this one is painfully relevant to today. My number nine, and this is the first time we're going to talk about it, but not the last. I'm the first one to have underwater on my list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. And I'm sure, I'm sure it's higher on their list. I'm sure it's on all of our lists. Underwater to me was just uh it was one of the last movies before the whole pandemic hit. So I did get to see it in a theater and that's the best way to do it. It's like a, I, we've talked ad nauseum about underwater, but it's basically a disaster movie that, you know, it, it's got you on the edge of your, edge of your seats before the monsters even show up. It's just so, it's just so incredibly well done. It's uh that's where we're leaving now. Cause we'll be talking about it again later on. <laughs> right, what's your, what's your number eight Korea? Number eight. Oh man. Number eight. I got to give it to Sputnik. Sputnik absolutely it came out of nowhere like suddenly it was just like oh yeah here's this Russian movie that's basically like if it's it it's it's basically like oh yeah what if you know Alien 3 the original concept for it actually happened and it was happened with the Russians so like it's really cool like the alien it's about an alien coming to earth and just shit going bad and it, it was a lot of fun um i it's definitely one of those ones where the one of the i think one of the reasons why it is so low on my list is it's been so long since i've seen it because that was like beginning a pandemic for me so like i need to rewatch it again but yeah uh sputnik was definitely one of my favorite uh creature features of the year i loved it cool jacob okay uh my number eight and and uh one of a couple beyond fest entries on my list uh the wolf of snow hollow like this, uh, this one was just, uh, was very entertaining and just very enthralling. Cause it's like, uh, it does feel like a lot of people described it as much, but it does feel like a Coen brothers werewolf movie. Uh, cause it's about this small, uh, skiing town where like nothing ever happens, but somebody's picking off tourists one by one. And it happens on the night of the full moon. Uh, and it's up to this, uh, deputy sheriff, uh, who's actually uh, played by the director and writer Jim Cummings. So like he was very <laughs> Renaissance man on it, but he pulled off a really good job. And uh, it has an amazing cast like uh, Ricky Lindholm uh, play, uh, plays a detective and they have a lot of good chemistry. But uh, real big highlight is uh, Robert Forster, the late great Robert Forster uh, plays the sheriff who's also uh, Jim Cummings character's dad and this was his last movie before he passed away so it was a great send-off and I saw this at the drive-in for Beyond Fest so it was very emotional and like when his name came up uh, people honked in his honor and yeah just it was uh it was as funny as it was scary so it was a really great horror comedy balance uh I loved it uh my number eight is another one that we're going to be 
hearing about again later it's lower on my list than i'm sure it's on i'm sure it's on both your list so possessor uncut yeah and possessor uncut is brandon cronenberg basically doing david cronenberg he's kind of picking up where uh, his dad left off when his dad started making these Oscar bait movies like, you know, A History of Violence and Eastern Promises. Uh, Brandon Cronenberg's like, oh, nah, let's keep making these gory, gooey, splattery movies. And uh, that's what he did. It's uh, Possessor Uncut is that's my number eight. Korea, what's your number seven? My number seven is not on either of your guys' list. I know this. Uh, my number seven is one of my favorite movies to come out during the pandemic, and that's the Boulay Brothers' Dragula Resurrection. Uh, for for those who don't know, uh, Dragula is a drag competition show that focuses on the three fundamentals of Dragula, which is horror, filth, and glamour. And uh, with, when the pandemic happened, they decided to do a feature length uh, special where they brought back uh, seven competitors from the first three seasons to compete for a shot to come back for season four. Uh, These were all ones that didn't win. They might've dropped at various points. Um, And what was cool is they shot the whole thing early in the pandemic and they had the, 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 the different competitors do all their looks and everything at their homes so they sent out like a crew and filmed with them. And it was really awesome because it wasn't just a competition, you know, because it always goes off. Their competitions are great. Their looks are always fierce and they always do killer jobs. And they really picked a, like a nice group of diverse competitors throughout the seasons. But Resurrection does a really good job of also getting into these people's lives, seeing where they've gone and changed since then. And also they address a lot of stuff like Black Lives Matters. Um, and then uh, one of the competitors, Priscilla, she actually transitioned since season three, the most recent season. She talks a lot about that. She talks a lot about the violence towards um, uh, black women uh, who are trans as well. And it's just it was so phenomenally done. And it was insane just that that they were able to pull it off, you know, that they were able to safely make like a feature competition show when everything was shot down when they shot this thing like no productions were going so it was it was insane that they were able to pull it off and still make like a good product so yeah i i have to give big ups to the boulets for uh their hard work on that one cool jacob what's your number seven all right my number seven is the invisible man by lee winnell Ooh, yeah i feel like most of the horror movies I actually saw in theaters are going to make this list because most of them were pretty fun experiences. Uh, but, you know, this is how you do a remake. Like, I remember when we talked about it around when it first came out and uh, we did we did do some jabs at the Dark Universe attempts at remaking. But, you know, like this is this is how you update a universal monster movie because, you know, it's uh, Elizabeth Moss plays this woman who's married to this tech billionaire uh, guy is like super possessive and abusive and she escapes so he kills himself and it all seems like it's going well except maybe he's not dead and somebody is like gaslighting her and like screwing up her life one point at a time and she's seeing like movements when nobody's there so you know like it's just one of those kind of accelerated uh, worst case scenario stories like what's worse than having an abusive ex an invisible abusive ex, maybe. 
and it just had some of the most intense scenes in a horror movie this year. Like it has the most holy shit moment of the whole year. And anyone who's seen it knows what moment I'm talking about. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I already know which one you're talking about, and I can remember the audible gas that are, that rang from the audience when that happened, including myself. Yeah, that was one of the best like audience screenings I've ever been to. Like everyone was just in it. So like even just um, the scene where. You know, like she's cooking some bacon and eggs and then everybody else leaves and then it focuses on the bacon and eggs and something causes the heat to go up until it catches fire and just like all the <gasps> uh, and gas and ooze and ahs uh, from the audience because they just feel that tension building. You know, like yeah. that was a masterclass in tension building. Yeah, Lee Winnell's for real. Oh, he is for real. My number seven, speaking of uh, speaking of movies that take advantage of the of the pandemic situation. And also speaking not of audience experiences, <laughs> is Host. This is the movie that defines this whole pandemic because it's completely shot over Zoom and it still shows that even over Zoom, people can be really stupid in horror movies. <laughs> but yeah. it is so yeah. much fun and so effective. And I just love the fact that, like you were saying, that um, with the Dragula that they were able to make this movie during the pandemic. I love the fact that host was able to basically the director got his friends together who all happened to be good actors that helped him. And he just made a freaking movie over zoom and it's good. (laughs) And and I especially love that. Like they didn't overstay their welcome, you know, like the movie ended like like the amount of time like how the length of it is perfect for the concept and for what it was like if it was any longer it would have been a drag like it was it it got in it didn't let up and yeah and it's also the most appropriate movie to watch on your phone or laptop since (laughs) unsane you actually have to watch it on a laptop if you try to watch it on a bigger screen you'll lose it effective yeah. yeah watch it on a laptop in your bed covers over you in the laptop lights off lights off yeah <laughs> Korea, we're on to number six. Number six, this might come off as a bit biased because we had uh, the writer and director on, but I fucking loved Spontaneous. Um, and, you know, people are going to argue that it's not horror. That has some of the most horrifying moments of any movie this year. Spontaneous was a such a well-made, like, little love story. It was, it felt real. It felt organic. But it just kept having all these terrifying moments. If you don't know, Spontaneous is a high school love story. But uh, the issue in their town is that kids keep randomly or spontaneously exploding. And when they do, it is goopy as fuck. And <laughs> it is it's 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 yeah, it's it just was really good. Um, Go back and listen to our episode with uh director brian duffield about um if you want to know more about the goop because he goes into into detail about how they did that and it sounds like a really fun shoot (laughs) yeah it sounds like it would have been a bitch to clean up uh that's for sure not not fun for the pas (laughs) but uh for the cast and (laughs) i'm sure locations was having a shit fit but no, I, I love Spontaneous uh, a lot. And that was one I definitely revisited. And it's still effective after repeated viewings. Just so many of these moments of the kids running through the hallways, especially uh, with my generation, the millennials and stuff growing up with Columbine and, you know, all the school shootings and everything. It felt very real, uh, that terror coming through. There were, uh, yeah, it, it hit hard in many different ways. So, yeah, that was, that was a very effective horror, uh, movie. Uh, 
So yeah, spontaneous. Jacob? All right. Uh, I've got another anthology on my top 10 list because anthologies rule, especially yeah, this do. one. Uh, it's uh, What Happens Next Will Scare You, which um, technically hasn't been publicly released, although I did, it was available to watch at a few film festivals this year. Like I actually watched it, I think, at three different festivals because it was that good. Um, but the setup is uh, a clickbait website is having a big office meeting on Halloween because uh, they need a bunch of scary articles and links to post in order to get more clicks. So uh, this entire team has put together a compilation of different uh, found footage or websites or other weird stuff they found on the Internet. And it makes for some very interesting uh, content for an anthology. Uh, this is also from Chris LaMartina and Jimmy George of uh, the WNUF Halloween special, which actually is connected a little bit. So it's, it can be kind of seen as a sequel. Um, and in a lot of ways, I kind of like this one more. Uh, like it had uh, some particularly scary segments and uh, some funny bits. Um, uh, my personal favorite being a uh, 911 call from a mortuary where a mortician is like screaming about the dead people in his mortuary coming to life. Um, and it, it, I feel like I really liked it because I was kind of at the forefront of creepypasta when that first started, you know, like scary stories you find on the internet, the modern day urban legends. So this just kind of feels like a movie compilation of that. And you know, you get a little bit of everything. There's killer clowns. There's uh, Bigfoot. I know you'd be happy about that one, particularly, John. James is the resident Bigfoot enthusiast. <laughs> all right. Well, we're all big fans of Bigfoot on <laughs> Ion Horror. Of course. Support your local Sasquatch. You got it. My number six is um, a movie that kind of popped up to Netflix. It played on the festivals last year. Finally, the rest of us get to see it. The Platform. Yeah. And The Platform is one of those dirty movies that it's it, it's a pretty thin metaphor for basically the class struggle but um it's uh it's it, it's basically the the short synopsis is it's about a prison where there's a bunch of different levels and they send a platform of food down and it stops at each level and so the people at the top get to eat and then it'll go down you know after amount of time it goes down so by the time it reaches the people at the bottom there's barely anything left and the the catch is every month the levels change so you might be on top one month and then you're on the bottom the next so you know which that doesn't really happen so much in real life class struggles but it's a pretty brilliant analogy for desperation and you know what people will do to eat i guess it is the opposite of subtle uh, with its with its metaphors. No, there's nothing subtle about it. And okay, so we're at, we're at the halfway point. Each of us have done five. And so far, have there been any duplicates? No. Uh, Not yet. Now, I know there are going to be because, yeah, you know, of course. into the second half, I, 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 I know that there are going to be because we've already, I, I've already heard some. But yeah, that's this is a pretty diverse list we got. Korea, what's your number five? I'm glad we're not just all rooting for the same things in the same position. This makes me happy. <laughs> so to enter my top five was my favorite uh, and my last uh, movie theater experience was The Invisible Man. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that was. Now we're getting into repeats. <laughs> and that's perfectly fine. That's totally I, good. Totally good. I fucking loved Invisible Man. Uh, I thought it was so brilliant. Uh, my only critique is not seeing enough of my new uh, crush, Oliver Jackson Cohen. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Invisible Man was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the paint can scene nearly nearly pissed myself 
the audience <laughs> reaction, as Jacob was saying, was just there in the moment with everything. And you know, a movie is really effective when everyone is cheering at the end. And it's not just like a, oh man, Captain America got the hammer. No, dude. When it's like, you know, like it's understandable when it comes to like comic booky stuff. Cause you know, that stuff is so ingrained in people, but when it's a new thing and people are cheering for the, for the hero at the end of the movie, it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. And like, uh, it's still effective. It's got such some of the most, uh, terrifying out of nowhere things, uh, that reminds me a lot of the entity. I know we've mentioned that a lot. Yeah. Oh yeah. And it's just as effective in harrowing, but also it, uh, I think even Lee Winnell set it up that way because he did a marathon of nothing but like 90s thrillers uh, to go with the premiere and stuff. And it did. It reminded me a lot of like those 90s thrillers, like Basic Instinct, Sleeping with the Enemy, you know, all those movies that I that I grew up on that I was for some reason allowed to watch before horror. Uh, you know, <laughs> so those were kind of my like getting into horror movies. So, yeah, I, I absolutely loved it. Well, Fatal Attraction was an Oscar movie. It was. That's true. And yeah, John, didn't we didn't we see it together at Beyond Fest or the Egyptian Theater? We did see it at the Egyptian. Yeah, we went to the pre-screening. Remember? Oh yeah, yeah, that was a fun time. I think I think you snuck in some food. What? No, Jacob would not do that. I remember you eating something weird, and I was just like, "Bud, what are you doing?" Jacob's a theater employee. He would never break the rules. <laughs> I, I think I was having a sandwich. <laughs> Maybe I, look, I can't, re- I can't remember like February. That's like 10 years ago. <laughs> 2020 has been the longest decade, huh? Okay. Uh, Jacob, what is your number five? All right. Well, going into my top five, I'm uh, starting off with uh, his house. Uh, the, uh, uh, this is a horror movie that, premiered on netflix uh i'm a big fan of haunted house movies and you know it's always interesting to see how people kind of play around with the with the genre uh and this was a complete twist uh, on it and like really made its own yeah like it it was just such an interesting cross uh between uh, a haunted house story with uh with such a um foundation on real world uh, trauma and events it was just very well made and uh also you got matt smith uh the doctor uh, in a supporting role so that was pretty cool um my number five is the dark and the wicked which is uh it's more of that brian bertino uh slow burn stuff that you know like the monster or the strangers but it's more supernatural than that and um speaking of holy shit moments uh the dark and the wicked has a couple really good holy shit moments as well it's just you know i mean it's it's dark and it's wicked um you know so it's not just a clever name short synopsis this uh this old man is dying and his kids come back to his farm to basically be with him as he's dying and then weird shit happens while they're there and it gets uh, paranormal and supernatural and occulty and you know all that other stuff but yeah the dark and the wicked it's dark and wicked that movie sounds right up my alley it, it comes to shutter in january so i guess i'll have to wait till then move, move it to the top of the queue because i think you will i think it is right up your alley all right number four Korea. Number four. I'm going to have to go with, for my number four, one of John Waters' uh, John Waters. John, John Waters is this. Is this John Waters' uh, <laughs> favorite films of the year, Swallow. 
um, when I was thinking of uh, my top tens and where things are, uh, one of the big influences for me was my reactions to it. Like how much did it have, uh, how, how much of a reaction I had to say, like how effective was it on me? That film had me yelling at the TV, which I rarely do, but it had me yelling at the TV. No, take that out of your mouth. Take that out. Stop. Because <laughs> um, it's just so effective. It's such a weird and, and so straightforward, but it, it's it. It reminds me why I love horror so much. Just seeing weird and unusual things, but also opening doors to other 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 experiences that I don't have, and and giving me a glimpse of that. And Swallow was very effective. It had a great score. Uh, the acting was superb. I never didn't feel uncomfortable, even when she wasn't swallowing things. Just like everything about like the relationship was just so uncomfortable. Well, because also even even when she's not swallowing stuff, you know, there's like a marble in her stomach or something, <laughs> or like a thumbtack. You're like, yeah. And there's a lot of stuff like that, or just like, what's that battery doing to her? But even taking <laughs> out like the whole swallow bits, it's just her relationship with her husband and with her in laws, and just like all these other things are just in in, in themselves are uncomfortable comfortable so the entire time you're just never you can never find that position to sit right throughout it you're just constantly having to squirm uh so yeah swallow one of the one of my tops of the year jacob number four uh my number four and again we're starting to get some crossover uh was brian duffield spontaneous yes someone else yeah. loves spontaneous too yeah no no it, <laughs> yeah it's uh, a lot of what like jonathan was talking about that just very it's a very relatable story to millennials who you know kind of have to grow up with the specter of this just all this craziness with uh kind of overhead overhead like uh school shooting climate change uh well now we got a pandemic like it like it just came out at a real perfect time to kind of dwell on that because yeah it just feels like it could be uh any other you know it could be a rom-com just between these two high school students but then you got people spontaneously combusting into (laughs) balls of bloody goo and you know just uh it it just it was as powerful as it was funny but also tense because this you know like a lot of movies and stories pride themselves on like anybody could die but in this one anybody can die like they they emphasize it quite a lot and just it had some really heartwarming scenes like just the like the et scene uh like really got to me in that it was so funny, but at the same time touching and yeah, just, it, it was very well written. Like, yeah, it just felt like kind of the thematic movie of the year. Spontaneous didn't make my list, but it has probably my favorite on-screen pairing of the year yeah. with Catherine Langford and uh, Charlie Plummer, because there's just something about those two on screen together. That is just it just makes you feel good. I mean, th- their their relationship is the core of the movie, and you're just like, oh, these two are so sweet. Let's please make it. Yeah, they they had such good chemistry. Like, if yeah. they didn't have any, if they just had a little bit less. That film would not have worked. So, like, it, it makes the movie. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. And that's what Duffield told us when we had him on. When when we had Brian on, he's like, oh yeah, I lucked out with that because <laughs> you know, I just <laughs> half the movie was in the casting. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. All right, my number four, and remember, no fighting, positive only. And this is where there's going to be no crossover. My number four is Antebellum, and uh, I just, I just say, I know that people disagree with me, but I thought Antebellum, I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was genius. I'm also a huge fan of Shyamalan's movies. 
this movie out Shyamalan, Shyamalan's Shyamalan. Actually, it, it in fact, I mean, it, enough time has passed so I can say it kind of rips off the ending of one of Shyamalan's movies. It kind of rips off the twist. But I, for one, maybe I'm a simp, but I did not see that ending coming. And it just left me with my jaw on the ground. And I was like, holy shit. I was standing up in my living room applauding the end of that movie. And yeah, I thought it was brilliant. And um, most of the, the world disagrees with me, but I don't care. It's all personal <laughs> opinions, man. Everyone's entitled to their opinions. That's fine. Could have been worse. I could have put freaky on my list, right? <laughs> no, you could have been. You could have done worse and put. Uh, I can't think of a film that pissed me off more than Antebellum this year. So I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all, right. all right, let's let's move on to number three, Korea. What's your three? Top three. Boom. Top three. Uh, so uh, my number three was from one of the best double features I've ever been to. It happened at Beyond Fest. Uh, but the main one for it was uh, Possessor. They paired it up with sec- uh, John Frankenheimer's uh, Seconds. Awesome double feature. But Possessor Uncut, absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and I actually recently watched Antiviral. And so it's really cool seeing Brandon Cronenberg coming into his own, doing his own thing. Yeah, there's a, you can definitely see there's a lot of influence of his father. But like, I really liked how he, how it's still his own voice. He did his own take on, and there's a lot of body horror, but there's even more. The, the most, it's one of those movies that gets you questioning a lot of stuff. Like what is personality? What is human consciousness? What is uh soul stuff like that? When it's, when movies have like the fun horror and action, but also get you thinking of about big questions that really tickles my fancy. And possessor <laughs> was just like, not only had all this existential crisis throughout it, but it also had some really gnarly scenes uh, and some phenomenal acting. Uh, yeah. Possessor was such a uh, ballpark, like home run for a sophomore uh, feature. I loved it. Yeah. Guy, I bought the 4k. I had to. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Jacob, you're number three. All right. Uh, for my number three. And uh, like John was saying, we're going back to beyond fest on this uh, psycho Goreman, AKA PG. <laughs> which uh definitely one of my favorite all-time favorites this year uh it's from uh steven kostansky who, who was a part of astron six and also did the void and leprechaun returns so you just know it's going to be a special effects extravaganza uh it's basically about uh these siblings this uh the his brother and sister who are like playing in their backyard one day and they accidentally uncover this ancient seal to this legendary cosmic evil force who uh, immediately plans to destroy the world, except they control the jewel that contains his power. So he has to do everything they say. So it's basically E.T. If E.T. was uh, uh, like one of the Cenobites. Because it's like this horrible uh, ma- uh, monster humanoid who has all these crazy powers that can d- destroy you or like give you a fate worse than death or like tur- turn into a zombie. But like that, but now he has to follow the orders of these two kids. So it's at least all sorts of uh, bloody shenanigans, I guess. Um, and it still kind of has a lot of heart, kind of has the ET thing where. Uh, PG starts to become a part of the family, and I don't know. It's just, it's just such an out there concept. I can't help but love it. It it was just so much fun, and uh, just looked really cool. Like I'm just very excited for it to just rip people's faces off next month and their hearts. 
Oh yeah, that's the other thing too. I I am very proud to that my review made the poster for Psycho Gorman, which I called heartwarming and heart ripping, which I feel really sums the movie up. Yeah, that that movie just looked like had your name written all over it. Oh yeah, it was, I was just, like, it was made for me. I was like, man, dude, they just really are going after Jacob with that one. Yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a target audience. What can I say? <laughs> my uh, my number three is Swallow which we have already talked about a little bit. Um, it, I mean, I just, it, like Korea said, you know, he said it best. He's, it's just so effective. You're sitting there, you know, yelling at the screen. Don't, 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 don't. Oh, you did. You know, <laughs> she's holding this thumbtack in front of her mouth and you're like, oh, uh, and uh, Haley Bennett has a great performance in it. Um, second only to Aubrey Plaza in Black Bear, which, uh, you know, probably would have made my list if it was more of a traditional horror movie. But mm. anyway, yeah, Swallow, terrific. Uh, another IFC films uh, gem from this year. Yes. Thank you, IFC, for yes. keeping us safe in our cars at the drive-ins. And thank you for not pushing all your movies into next year. You released them so we had cool stuff to watch. Yeah. Let's move on to number two. We're, we're getting up there. The deuce. <laughs> Drop your deuce. <laughs> Speaking of deuce... <laughs> My number two is The Platform. Again, uh, thinking of effectiveness, this film is not like horror in that there's a spooky guy. No, it's disgusting. It's a disgusting film. There is so many... Like When when I think about Platform, yes, the the not-so-subtle but still perfectly executed metaphors on classism and class relations is is so on point, but the eating scenes, man, oh my... I am someone that cannot stand when someone's chewing with their mouth open. And that movie not only has so much of that, but it has it. They, they zoom in, they get in close. It got under my skin and it was so, and I thought it was so effective. And so like just the concept, how it plays out. It, it, it was so well done. Um, yeah. Netflix, uh, Killed it in releasing that. And that one, it, it stuck with me for days. Like, again, I like movies that make, get me thinking and stuff. So that one had me, it, it stayed with me for a good week or two after. So, yeah, platform. Loved it. Jacob, number two. Okay. Um, at my number two, and again, we're going into uh, cross crossing over here as we get to the top three. Um, Possessor. Like, that was just such a powerful movie. And Brandon Cronenberg uh, really keeping the tradition alive of body horror. Um, and just, yeah, just had so much to say while uh, saying so little, because there's there so many quiet scenes, but, you know, just they just they really hit. And also Andrea Riseborough, uh, her performance uh, should be lauded because the, the whole thing is, it's like she's a character, she's an actress playing a character who is also an actress in a way because she has to impersonate her targets perfectly. And there's a lot of scenes of her like talking into the mirror to try and kind of either retain her own identity or get into the persona of the people she's trying to impersonate to commit these assassinations. And it has a lot to say about, you know, kind of technology and capitalism and where society is going. And yeah, you know, just, it's such a powerful movie. It really sticks with you long after. Oh, and also Jennifer Jason Lee was real good in it too. Oh man, was she ever? Oh yeah. It's always great though. I love Jennifer Jason. Exactly. That's why I have to say. (laughs) 
my number two is something we've talked about already. The Invisible Man. Yeah. I kind of think that Korea and I have different ideas of what the holy shit moment was because mine, without spoiling anything, was the restaurant scene. Yes, that was but, what um, I was thinking. Okay. Too. Yeah. Not the paint can scene, the restaurant scene. When you yes. remember it, you'll freak out, Korea. Yeah. Just remember how a bunch of people freaked out in the audience. Yeah. Like people freaked out for that whole movie, though. It, it, it is, it, <laughs> I, I agree with you. It is a great theater experience so it's kind of a shame that that was one of the first movies that universal pushed to theater at home you know along with the hunt and emma back in march and it's kind of a shame that that not as much of a shame as the hunt because that poor movie already got pushed back once but but yeah invisible man it it is you know like you say you 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 gasp you cheer you cry i mean it's a theater audience movie and it's Mm. such a great analogy for not just like gaslighting but for domestic violence in general like oh yeah you know, she, she, no one believes that people think that elizabeth moss's character has is crazy for all these accusations because they don't see it and yeah. it's like that just hits you you're like oh my god this is what people don't believe these women and this is oh yeah it's it's i mean it's it's kind of a popcorn movie but it says so much and they really did their research with that because i used to teach women and children safety classes so i i got involved with a lot of uh people who went through those experiences and the language the how people talked uh the words they used everything was just so spot on it really was yeah it was a bit uh flashbacky trauma slash traumatizing a bit where it's just like this is very real like it i have a friend who um I tell her, I'm like, you know, this movie is amazing, but knowing some of the things from her past, I'm like, it's going to trigger you. So watch it when you're ready, yeah. but it's an incredible movie. Just know, <laughs> you know, this yeah. is, uh, this is going to trigger you. Yeah. And it will. The Invisible Man may trigger survivors True because that. it, that's, that's, it's what it's about. All right, here we go. When I say number, you say one number. One. one number one. one can you tell we didn't rehearse that <laughs> <laughs> you really think <laughs> korea what is your number one number one number one. Oh man i gotta say this was tough uh i watched a lot of films especially my catching up that were so good it was just trying to fit them into the confines of horror they did not fit so um when i think about what, one of my favorite things about horror is getting that glimpse, in, like I said earlier, getting that glimpse into experiences that I don't have, that I can't have because of who I am and where I come from. And so when I watched his house this year, it not only was an incredible uh, ghost story that hit all the proper and right notes of a good ghost story, but it it covered and effectively showed what's happening with or what what is still happening with refugees uh, from Sudan coming over and everything about it was just so heartbreaking uh, and had some genuinely very creepy moments. Oh my God. Just like the part where the wife is sitting and, and like she just looks over and all the eyes are coming out of the holes in the wall. Like that, that sticks with me, man. That's one of those things that like you're, you're, you know, you shut off the TV, you're going to bed and you look into the dark corner of the room and you're like, fuck their eyes over there. It's just such a well-made and such a great um, ghost story. Uh, yeah, it's it's not only my top film of the year. It's definitely one of my favorite ghost stories. It's up there with The Changeling uh, for me. I, I understand other people might not love it as much, but yeah, I thought that one was really good and very effective. Cool. Jacob, number one. Yeah, I, well, you know, it's always hard to pick a number one movie. And, you know, just I, I did feel kind of pressured to... Uh, 
choose one of the more prestigious movies, but you know, damn it, I had to I had to pick the one for me. And of course, that movie was going to be underwater. I'm surprised it wasn't underwater ten times. Yeah, oh, I mean, I would have done it if I could have. I just, you know, like I would have run out of things to talk about after a while. Uh, but yeah, no, just it was, you know, I had to pick something theatrically because, you know, just I did get to see a few movies before the pandemic shut everything down. And and a lot of those experiences were amazing. And uh, I actually got to see Underwater Premiere in Los Angeles at the Alamo Draft House with the cast and crew in person. So, you know, just with the way things are, it's a very fond memory now. Um, but yeah, you know, just, it's, it's a pure horror movie. It's distilled. Like uh, what uh, James was talking about. It's also like a disaster movie just because like you go in a few minutes and like right off the bat, they hit the ground running with just the whole undersea station falling apart and explosions and everything starting to compress. And then you meet the cast of characters and then the monsters show up and <laughs> oh man, just, and again, we're talking theatrical experiences. Like I saw it in a packed house. So like when that first uh, kind of creature just kind of, is kind of in the background, you know, as people gasped and freaked the hell out and, you know, just, you know, that's, that's good horror right there. You know, that's, you know, getting a visceral reaction from the audience. And also Kristen Stewart is amazing and she should have more lead roles in horror movies because she rocks. She got to do kind of a Ripley thing in this movie. Like she take, like she's flawed, but she has, she takes initiative and uh, she gets to fight some undersea monsters. Uh, And the effects are just astounding. Like, you know, they talked about it, like it was, uh, uh, I believe the term is uh, dry for wet. So like the, they weren't actually underwater, but they did have to wear like these big bulky like spacesuits and just kind of uh, like pretend to be underwater, which, you know, just like I, I couldn't really tell the difference either way. Um, but like uh, the big one, though, was like toward the end, like the climax, there is just an absolute jaw dropper that when I saw, I, I let out an audible, what the fuck at the reveal <laughs> of like what this was all building to, because like, this isn't just an underwater disaster movie. This isn't just an underwater monster movie. This is, you know, like, uh, hopefully if not without flowing too much, it's a cosmic horror movie. It's very Lovecraftian. Yeah. 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 So, you know, it just kind of went that extra mile of like having layers to it. And uh, also another big shout out to Brian Duffield, who uh, who co-wrote the script. And uh, and like I and I actually even talked with the director, William Eubank, because I was tweeting so much about his. He just uh, he just saw I was like a big fan. So I got, so it was kind of cool talking about him, uh, t- uh, talking about the movie with him about that. Um, and yeah, I saw it four times in theaters and I've watched it, uh, a whole bunch, uh, when I got it on Blu-ray. So it just, it's like each time you watch it, you kind of pick up on new stuff or it's just kind of fun to, you know, kind of revisit it just because it's, you know, like it's a thrill ride, you know, it's just something you want to put on when you want to get a little scared, want a little adrenaline, you know, just, it's a good time movie. And, you know, I would, I would love to see it again in theater someday if I could. And IMAX, that would be a fun. Oh IMAX yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would, I would love to see it in IMAX. My, uh, my number one, I, I keep track over the course of the year. I kind of start a list because uh, I, so I don't forget anything. So my number one has actually been my number one for more than half the year. 
And we've already talked about it a little bit. It's Sputnik. Yeah. Mm. Sputnik, another uh, IFC saving the year. Um, Tell us more. Sputnik <laughs> is, uh, it's, it's basically a rival meets alien. Um, it also is kind of, if you've seen life, you know, not to spoil the ending of life, but this seems to pick up right where life could have picked, could have left off if the 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 life people were Russian, if the you know, <laughs> if the survivor of life was, if they were cosmonauts instead of astronauts. <laughs> I just learned that difference recently. <laughs> what is the difference? Isn't the difference that Russian versus American? Yeah. So uh, okay. Americans call them astronauts. Russians call them okay. cosmonauts. That's, okay. But that's it's a, the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah they're, they're, they're space people. But now I, I just it, it's the thing about about Sputnik is the perceived antagonist is shifting the entire time. You're like, OK, wait, is it this guy who came back that they're investigating? Is it the colonel who's trying to you know, hide all this stuff? Is it the monster itself? It's you know, it, there, there's only one character who, you know, the whole time is a good person, you know, is a protagonist and the others shift and morph. So it's not just I mean, it is a creature feature, but it's a really smart one. Yeah. So, yeah, I Sputnik is my number one. Let's uh let's let's talk some honorable mentions. I, I'll tell you a couple of mine that didn't make the cut, mainly because they're not traditional horror movies, and I get ripped to shreds by the internet every time I do a fringe horror movie list. So uh, you know, I I left them off. One we've already mentioned, Black Bear, um, has my favorite mm-hmm. female performance of the year with Aubrey Plaza, but it's also it's just one of those unsettling creep movies, but it's not necessarily yeah. horror. And the other one, which comes out uh well, it will have been out for a couple of days by the time this posts promising young woman, which is um, not really horror at all, but it's, it's like a revenge movie. It's kind of, it's kind of like jawbreaker meets kill bill. It's a dark comedy revenge movie about a woman who basically had a traumatic event in her past and she's taken it out on every man. She, she goes to bars, pretends to be drunk. And when men pick her up and take her home thinking they're going to have sex with her, she all of a sudden, doesn't let them. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all I'll say. But uh, anyway, Promising Young Woman is uh, it's terrific as well. What about you guys? Honorable mentions. Two that I want to mention that didn't quite make the cut uh, were Scare Package and The Pale Door by Aaron Koontz and uh, Cameron Burns. Uh, the like uh, Scare Package was a pretty funny uh, horror comedy anthology movie with like a bunch of different segments by a bunch of different uh, directors and uh, writers and people and just you know and also one of the mother of all cameos in a horror movie this year um uh the pale door was a joe r lansdale adaptation so it's kind of a weird west horror western which are so good but so rare you know that subgenre with you know outlaws versus witches in a like ghost town so the, those were a lot of fun both of them are on shutter now so if you haven't seen them definitely would recommend them and um yeah i don't know like uh, i also saw some other cool stuff on the festival circuit that'll that'll be coming out soon but i didn't want to put too many on because um they're not as publicly available but one i want to mention that i had a lot of fun with was this one called bloody hell which uh is basically about um this which is basically about this uh american ex-con who travels to europe and he gets kidnapped by this weird wes anderson style family and it's and it's just so bonkers and bloody i just can't help but love it and i'm very excited for when it gets a mainstream release cool 
Korea, what are your honorable mentions? I know you're, you've you got a bunch. Yeah, I have to agree with uh, Jacob because for me, uh, my favorite movie of the year, and it was my number one until I thought about it, was St. Maud. Uh, but that one technically mm. isn't getting released here till next year. So I wanted to give, you know, movies that came out in 2020 a shot. Uh, so that one's going to be a one, the one to beat next year. Uh, but St. Maud was incredible. Yeah. It was just such a visceral and just anxiety inducing experience. I, I can't wait until they give us screeners for that because I've, I've had that rug pulled out from under me three times already. I'm like, come on, just show it to me. I can't wait for everyone to see this movie because I want to talk about it so much, but I don't want to spoil anything. It's so fucking good. Uh, I also want to give shout out to She Dies Tomorrow. Another one mm. of those that gets you thinking like as the whole plot of that is uh, this woman thinks that she's going to die tomorrow. And when she says to someone, I'm going to die tomorrow, they then get infected with the I'm going to die tomorrow thing as well. And so you see these uncomfortable positions where it's people with their loved ones. And, you know, you want to tell your loved one, I'm I'm going to die tomorrow because you want to let them know. But they don't know that that's going to cause them to die the next day as well. And so it's it, yeah, it creates that moral conundrum and it's very effective. Um, also, Scare Me is one of the best horror comedies I've seen in a very long time. Um, just two people telling ghost stories back to back and like the sound work and the acting just sell it. Uh, very effective and very fun movie. And then uh, lastly, I want to give, I want to give a shout out to anything for Jackson, just because that director has mostly made cheap or low, super low budget Christmas movies. And then all of a sudden makes this like very uh, out there horror film. The acting kind of comes off with that kind of like low budget Christmassy uh, hokiness. But it also has some of the most fucked up imagery I've seen this year. There's, uh, it's about these this older couple that are Satanists and they're trying to bring back their grandson by putting his soul into the unborn child of this pregnant woman. So they kidnap her. And there's all this weird stuff because once they open up the portal to or like break through the walls to purgatory to bring back their grandson, all these ghosts are coming out. So there's a lot of fucked up imagery and people like committing suicide around them. There's one part where a character shoots himself in the face in front of them. And then her ghost keeps coming back and doing it. So there's like a point where her ghost comes back and just goes, basically goes, Hey guys, boom. And then like it cuts to the next morning and this character comes in and he's like, Hey guys. And then that ghost just appears and blows her, her head off again. And they're like, yeah, she's been doing that all night. And I'm just like, Oh, that's rough. Also there's a flossing scene, leaving it at that, leaving it at that. Cause that, grossed me out <laughs> but yeah uh yeah a lot of really great stuff that unfortunately you can only fit so many titles in the top 10 yeah uh, i got another shout out i want to do real quick uh uh benson and moorhead synchronic with uh anthony mackie and jamie dornan like that that was a good one just i uh, wasn't sure if it really counted because i mean it's got some horror elements to it definitely but i felt like it was more of a sci-fi movie but i mean it was really good and it just had such a weird concept like this drug that allows you to travel through time and it did make for some outstanding set pieces like uh there like one where like he ends up in the ice age one where he's like in a little colonial village so you know just it's uh just had a had a lot going on, and it was another fun Beyond Fest screen. These are our top tens and our runners up. So, um, let us know yours because 
I'm sure, you know, it seemed like horror movies are the only thing that consistently released this year, except for St. Maude. So, um, and Green Knight. <laughs> yeah, Green Knight got pushed to a stupid A24. Um, not really. I love A24, but <laughs> release some movies, guys. Hey, at least I got to see St. Maude. That's all that matters, really. <laughs> it still kills me that there's a, a group of critics who have seen A Quiet Place Part 2, and I'm not one of them. Anyway, yeah. let's, uh, let's get out of here. Um, let us know what your favorite movies are. If you, if, if, if you disagree with me for including antebellum at number four, let me have it. I've, I've been uh, railed on for worse on the internet. <laughs> um, let's uh, so yeah, let's get out of here. Uh, our theme music is by restless spirit. So rock with them. Our artwork is Chris Fisher. So go and appreciate his art. Um, you can find us at the Ion Horror Facebook page, the iHorror Facebook page, the the Ion Horror Twitter, the Ion Horror. Uh, I don't even know what else we have. We have an Instagram. We Instagram. have a uh, Bumble yeah, account. I don't know. We have, <laughs> <laughs> we have all sorts of social media. Or you can find us at iHorror.com, uh, where you can also read about a bunch of this stuff. Jacob's interviews are coming out. Um, his poll quote is from iHorror.com. So, yeah. Yay, I horror. Uh, right. <laughs> we will. Uh, we might take a couple weeks, but I believe that our first episode back is going to have a guest you won't want to miss. I hope mm-hmm. I'm not teasing this prematurely. Oh, we're not missing a beat, people. We're coming right back. <laughs> See you in two weeks, motherfuckers. We take no. Well, we take. Breaks. <laughs> we already had yeah. a break. What? <laughs> I didn't have a break. Um. Anyway, <laughs> unless something really goes wrong, our we're going to have some good guests. Yeah. Uh, well. Even if something does go wrong, we'll have some good guests. But the first yep. one we have lined up, we're really looking forward to. Oh, so, yeah. Cool. It's going to be great. We'll see you. I'm going to I'm gonna be that kid in elementary school. We'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so for me, James J. Edwards. I'm Jacob Davison. And I'm Jonathan Korea. Keep your eye on horror. Horror. <laughs>